Hey everybody, welcome back to another Photog Adventures podcast. I'm Aaron King, and you're listening to the Photography Podcast dedicated to getting you out there on an adventure of your own. I know that all of you have full-time jobs, full-time families, but you bought that camera for a reason. So pack your gear, grab your camera, get out there, get a flat tire. It's time for a Photog Adventure of your own. It's episode 171. Yeah, there's a few episodes I've recorded already that I've not released that will come before this. You know the drill, but welcome back. Oh my goodness, welcome back. This year has been a challenge. How many of you have gone out on enough adventures this year, right? If you were like me and Alan Wallace over July 4th, getting gassed between California and Oregon, then you enjoyed the wonderful feeling of $8 plus gas per gallon. Oh man, what a year. So I am certain that most of you have not had all the adventures that you've wanted to have, but let's get rolling into the episode content about my five favorite locations that are less traveled. The first location is the Wedge Overlook and Buckhorn Wash. If you don't know where that is, it's basically the Little Grand Canyon of Utah, and it's hardly ever visited. In fact, the entire road out there is dirt. However, a good kind of dirt road, you know, where it's just planed and flattened and it has no real challenges. There are always a risk that a wash will come through and wash out some of this road, but that's fine. That's everywhere. This area is easy to get to by car or truck. It's not like you need a truck to get to this spot. And so it's very simple and there's no hiking involved. You just travel up through the Buckhorn Wash and experience everything, or you go up to the Wedge Overlook viewpoint and see everything up there being just fantastic. I mean, we're talking a Grand Canyon-like feel. Very, very deep, but not as deep as the Grand Canyon and massive amount of cliff rocks that just, you don't even realize that these rocky cliff walls are going to be there as you're driving towards it, looking up, and it just looks as flat as Kansas. You're like, well, what is out here? What's so interesting about this spot? And yet, once you finally make it, when you finally get there, oh, it can be terrific. So quick little description of the place. If you were to go through Buckhorn Wash, there's a few stops you need to make. If you look on Google Maps, you will see this pathway. So just look up this one first. Go for the Buckhorn Wash pictograph panel. It's like the buckhorn wash panel. In fact, maybe I should just pull up Google on my phone right now on maps and just see exactly what they call it because I type in buckhorn wash pictograph panel. Okay, there it is. I'll include the links in the podcast description down below. If on your phone you can't click on them, go over to SoundCloud or just Google Photog Adventures Podcast SoundCloud. In fact, you don't even have to type in SoundCloud. Honestly, SoundCloud pulls up in the first few hits. And then you can go to this page where the actual link is clickable for you to click on everything that I have today because I have a few links that you'll be able to see. But this one is the Buckhorn Wash Pictograph Panel, and I'm going to give you the exact Google Map link for it so that you can go there. This is a... Awesome, awesome, great barrier people, thousands of years old, maybe only a thousand year old pictograph. Now, pictographs are different from petroglyphs because they paint on the rock. They're not chiseled out of the rock. A petroglyph is chiseled out while a pictograph is painted on. And these are painted on, which is why they get so frustratingly graffitied and marked up by idiots that makes it hard to see them. They're kind of faint. In fact, last time we were there a week ago, no, two weeks ago now, we had a very bright sun in the middle of the day, and it was hard to see some of the detail that you would see if, say, it was wet after a rainfall or if the light was different. 
having the light at a different angle, you can see it easier. So the Pictograph panel is an awesome stop on the way through the Buckhorn Wash. Everything throughout it can have scenic stops. So you're going to be like, oh, look at that. Oh, look at this. Oh, I like that. But just be prepared because when I drove Kathy through there to show her how to get through there, it is a dusty, dusty path. And you will be completely in clouds, possibly running into people if you drive too close to each other. Basically, as I'm driving through to guide her, she has to stay back about a minute just so that she can have the smoke clear so that if I were to ever hit my brake, she wouldn't slam into me. Or if someone's coming around the corner, she wouldn't see them at the last possible time because they've been buried and camouflaged by my dust cloud that's permanently sitting on the road. If it's windy, it's a great time to go. If the wind blows that dust cloud away or right after a rain, yada, yada, get away from that dust but driving that path is fantastic and then just beyond the pictograph just north of it on your way out there's another pictograph panel but the thing i want to point out to you is the dinosaur footprint the dinosaur footprint is a single footprint and we're talking if you have a hard time walking up a steep hill that's only about i mean probably a 10 foot incline you're, you're going to be like, ah, man, this is a little bit more work than just getting out of the car and looking at it, but it's not really. So if you have a sprained ankle, a broken foot, a bad back, and you don't want to do that, I can get why you wouldn't go see the dinosaur footprint. But you just pull off the side of the road up here, and you'll find the dinosaur footprint right there on Google Maps, and it'll point you right to where exactly it is, too, on the mountain. So you just go up, climb a short little trail. We're talking like 20 yards, and then you're there in a single footprint, really immaculate print of the dinosaur footprint where it looks like was it a raptor i mean i don't think it was a raptor i think they know what it was but you think of a three-toed animal footprint just really cool very prominent very easy to see and just makes you wonder okay that rock was soft enough for that footprint to show up in there but i don't see any other footprints anywhere else what happened right there it's like they were laying down cement and the sidewalk, and this dinosaur came through and just plotted one foot down on the wet cement and then completely with his long stride was able to bypass the rest of the wet cement and land in somewhere hard and disappear. So I was like, what happened there? How did that one rock get that imprint? It's so curious to me. So that is a very fun sightseeing day of going through the wash, and then you end up on top where the Wedge Overlook is, and it has that Grand Canyon feel. I just love this area. As I was out there two weeks ago, we started to get a little rained on. We're like, oh, it's going to be raining. Let's, let's, let's pack up a few things that we don't want getting wet, and that's a lot of lightning, so maybe we should get off of the peak of this hill where we could be the target of a lightning blast, and let's drive down a little bit, get into some trees, get into some other buildings that maybe will attend. The attention of the lightning will go to them and not us. We're like, we're going to all be in the vehicles at least and hope that this kind of metal on the vehicle with these grounded tires, that it actually works, you know? that that whole old story of get in the car because the grounding of the tires will help you not get shocked, blah, 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 blah. So we go in that and we're hanging out. And man alive, have you ever had a lightning bolt crack on top of you when it is so close? You know how you listen for the thunder and you, and you wait? Like, oh, one, one thousand, two, one thousand. Oh, there goes the thunder. Okay, it was two seconds away. It's like two miles away or something we like to say, right? Well, when it's within a mile of you or literally on top of you, it is blast of light, crack of sound. Woo, that's scary sounding. 
very frightening. And so as we're sitting there avoiding all these very, very close lightning blasts, once it had gone overhead, we're thinking, okay, sweet, we're out of this. Let's just go back. We're not at risk really of being struck by a lightning bolt necessarily. So Kathy, myself, Paul, and Gary, we are all like, okay, here we go. We're going to hang out over on this spot. As we go back to where we had set up earlier at the Wedge Overlook viewpoint, we noticed, oh my gosh, look over there. There's a new waterfall. <laughs> there, of course, with the whole rain that had just come through, it's got to wash off somewhere, but I had never seen that before. I had never seen the phenomenon of, okay, the water has to flow. It's going to flow down its normal path, you know, the path of least resistance. And then at some point, the water up above is going to come down and come down off of that top and hit the, you know, a spot where it'll become a waterfall off these cliffs. So you got these high, high cliffs. Picture... Picture any plateau and this whole area where the cliffs are being created by the canyon, all of it have areas that water gets, you know, built up and then floods quickly. Like I, I kind of expected the dirt just to hold on to it, you know, just to hold on to it and be no challenge. Well, not in this case. It did not go that way. Instead, it was feeding it to one solitary exit point and that created a massive waterfall. Now massive, just a very fast flowing, well, probably six feet wide. Maybe it was so far away, it might have been 10 feet wide. Water stream just, just amazing. And it went for the next half an hour or so. And as we're looking at it and a bus of kids from another school showed up, it was like, wow, look at that waterfall. It's a waterfall over there. We're taking pictures. We're capturing a video. I'm talking about it to YouTube. I'm like, hey, check out this. I didn't do a live stream or anything, but I have a video footage that now I can pull in in a clip in the future. But that was so neat to see that waterfall. I absolutely love this area. Now, here are the challenges of this area. When you're at the Wedge Overlook, you're at a high point where you have other high points that, especially on sunset, are going to cause the sun to go down early, which means casting shadows on the entire canyon very early, and you don't have a very terrific opportunity. When you do a Milky Way there, you got to get a blue hour combo just so that you can actually see the grand vista that's below you, that chasm. You want to see some detail, you're going to have to capture something at blue hour. So you have some detail, some data, and then blend that with the exposure of your sky as you wait for the Milky Way to come into position. And if you're like me, you won't move your camera and you'll have it as a blend and not a composite because you didn't move the tripod and where it was. So this is the Wedge Overlook and the Buckhorn Wash. If you are coming up from Moab, heading to Salt Lake City, stop in Price and go down into the Buckhorn Wash. Or if you're coming off of Green River, you know this area well enough, you know I-70, and you're thinking, I want to get up to Price. Instead of going down to that one freeway connection to from I-70 to Price, you can come off of I-70 at the Buckhorn Wash and drive that path. So the link I gave you for the Buckhorn Wash pictograph panel, next Next time you're on I-70 near Green River, just hit that, and it'll guide you to go down 70 to a certain exit. 
take that exit and drive the dusty dirt road right through the Buckhorn Wash all the way up to the Wedge Overlook on your way back to go for Salt Lake. It's absolutely worth it. You will love it. Number four, this is the place that actually deserves to be at the very front, but it has such a challenge of getting there that certain vehicles can't do it without high clearance where you can rock crawl some rocks. Now, it's not like a serious... uh, difficult intermediate to advanced course of rock crawling or four-wheel driving. This is requiring just some minor beginner intermediate knowledge of going over rocks in a smart way that doesn't scrape out the bottom of your vehicle. Now I have a Ford Explorer with the stock stock wheels, you know, height. There's no extra lift or anything. And I did buy different tires that may have given me an extra inch. I don't know. My my all-terrain tires, my more kind of hybrid versus nice terrain versus driving on the freeway tires that I got for it maybe giving me half an inch. It felt a little bit easier this time than when I tried it this time last year with the same vehicle with the stock tires, or at least the tires that came with it when I purchased it last year. So I'm thinking most vehicles, four-wheel drive, any clearance at all, you can make this. Just be smart, and if you can't do it, don't risk it. Now, that's the only reason why it's sitting here at number four. And the fact, the fact, the fact that you really can't get a sunrise and sunset there. I mean, you've got a really cool rock. It's this spire, right? It's this really cool spire that's standing in front of you. Imagine an anthill kind of shape. And then imagine that's a petrified rock. And at the top of the anthill shape is this spire. The spire that comes off strong and gets wider towards the top. It's actually more narrow at the base than it is at the top. And it looks like... Um, uh, what's a good shape comparison for this? It's it's pretty much an upside down candy corn, but it's not that wide. You know, it's October, so I'm thinking candy corn. I haven't eaten one of those waxy, gross candies, but um, that's what I'm picturing right now. Imagine if you had a candy corn at that triangle shape, and you just kind of nibbled both sides off a little bit and left a center. That's roughly what Secret Spire looks like. It's a little bit top heavy. It has that rounding at the top, like the top yellow part of the candy corn. As you go down to the orange and the white, it gets more narrow. And it's just kind of craggly. If you look at my pictures or you go, let's see, I don't think I have it open. You know, I might even use this for my cover art. So if you go to SoundCloud for Photog Adventures Podcast, I'm going to use this image for the cover art so that you can see it. It's not the best for fitting this format of a graphic, but that way you can see what this looks like. It's a spire, and it's out there in an area north of Moab, south of I-70. That's all I'm going to tell you. And so this area, you got to get there with rocks, and it's really fantastic, and most of the way... You're just driving on a dirt road that has no chance, no challenges, no clearance issues. But we'll talk about a little bit of some of the issues that you can run into. So this area is great for Milky Way. I wouldn't say it's terrific for sunrise or sunset. Obviously, you can get it during that time. And as the golden hour light hits it, it's pretty interesting. I mean, it would be a solitary subject. It wouldn't be a full scene. Maybe there's a really cool lichen or a shape or a crack in the rocks that lead up to it that you can use to make that foreground landscape shot really sing with some golden hour light. But you're going to need a really good cloudy sky for the rest of it to have interest because there's just nothing else around it. It's kind of an open edge of, you know how deltas look of waters? 
going out into a main flowing bay or a main flowing river, that craggly organic look of a delta where they broke up the terrain and you have just like lightning bolt kind of lines as it's being drawn out and widens the river until it becomes the big river or widens until it hits the bay. Well, this is a canyon section. This is like a little bit of a section of fingers off the canyon that have different um, sizes. And this is coming off of an area that I told you is north of Moab. So it's not canyon lands, but it's just in an area with lots of canyons and different little gullies and spaces. And this spot happens to come over the top of one triangle tip edge, you know, the start of a canyon. And there's just nothing else really big and really interesting next to it. So like a panorama from there, you'll end up looking all the way north and not seeing anything but kind of flat terrain going out to some distant rocks. And it's just not going to be gorgeous for a panorama. It's best with the Milky Way that's vertical. That's the time to go. September is terrific, but sometimes it can be a little bit late. Like the beginning of September, it was perfect for my shot. This last time I was there, it was the end of September, and we had minutes before that Roa Fuki area of the Milky Way core started being so flat and below the horizon that it was tougher to work with, and it started losing its most prime compositional balance that you can get. So you want to go there from basically July to September, early September, so that you can wait for that Milky Way to get perfectly vertical and get right next to the spire and balance out with kind of not a center-weighted on the rock because you're center waiting on the Milky Way core and then the rock is off to the left third and that is featuring kind of like a bookend or a nice, if you hold your hand up and make an L shape with your forefinger and your thumb, it's like the spire is your forefinger where your thumb comes out is the space on the rocks there where your Milky Way core is vertical and coming up and complementing the vertical shape of the spire. So you got to check that out. Um, pretty, really beautiful spot. This challenge of getting there and that specific time only keeps it from being number one on the list, but it is terrific. I absolutely love it, and every time I get out there, I mean, we bring our chairs. Kathy brought her hammock chair, and we all took turns trying out the hammock chair. It's like, oh, man, this is just comfortable, kind of waiting for the Milky Way to be perfect for us and just enjoying a spot in nature where we are the only ones. And that leads me to the story of being the only ones. So first off, when I go there for my fourth time, I brought Kathy. And we brought her and her dog Diablo before he passed recently. He passed a year ago. Um, but Diablo was an awesome dog and just a good German shepherd, big guy. And he was, you know, hum completely infatuated, in love with, attached to Kathy. So at all costs, he wanted to be by Kathy and go to Kathy. So it's like, where's Kathy? Where's mom? Where's Kathy? Where's mom? And this is what led to one of the scariest watching a dog, oh my gosh, no, 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 moments in my life. As we're out there at the, at the place, <laughs> I started saying a word that would have been easier to Google it, but if you haven't found it by now, you're not paying attention because I've given you everything you need to find this spot. That area is slopey, not kind of sandstone, more of a granite that's smooth. You know, you can step on it and kind of hold yourself at funny angles. It's all sloping, inclined, steep rock at different angles. Well, they make these shapes that bowl up and have some water in there, and then it goes around and slopes down very dramatically into the, you know, the ravine that's right there. 
On the side of the front side to the left of the spire is a rock that's kind of cool to capture at sunset where it's got the light hitting it and it's got this donut shape. And if you get in there, the arch looks really big. You know, you get really in there with your phone. You can try to make it look like a big arch with all the cool lighting or come from the other direction and look back at the spire. And so Kathy was playing around with that. And so she was talking to me and the way the sound bounced around and echoed, it sent her dog thinking that she was behind that rock. And so he goes looking for her over there. He goes between the big moundy rock and the spire and goes around the corner a little bit. And oh, my heart, my heart hurts right now just thinking about it. As I watched his little paws, you know, boom, 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 slide, 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 slide. Oh, step, 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 slide. As he's going at such a funky angle that he is tipped just enough that if he loses his footing fully, he's going to careen down in the ravine. I mean, he's just going to roll like an avalanche down into the ravine. Like, oh, don't keep going that direction, Diablo. Come back this way. So I go over to the side. I'm like, hey, Diablo, come over here, man. Hey, man, come Diablo, come Diablo. And then Kathy's yelling for him too. But the echo, the echo causes him to look right, look left, look behind him, look down. He's like, where is she? Where, which direction is she? He can't see her yet. And so I watch him continue even further where it's like, how are you even sticking to the rock? You're completely standing sideways. You're a Spider-Man. But stay a Spider-Man because I really don't want to watch you fall down there. And Kathy even told me, she goes, if he, if he would have fallen, I would have sent you down there. And I don't know if she means like picked me up and thrown me down there with her bricklayer strength or if she was going to be like, you know what? You're going down there to be with him while I go get help. And I think it's the latter. But I wouldn't have been surprised if she was upset with me for taking her there and getting her dog lost. Oh, wow, it scared me. You know, it could have fallen and hurt itself or died from the fall, let alone just gotten stuck down there where you're in like a lobster pot and you're trying to get out because you're just trying to crawl up, but everything's so slick that you're stuck inside a carnivorous plant, you know, a pitcher plant that has the downward pointing hairs and every step you take, you slide more and slide more back into the belly of the beast. And so... That was frightening. Thankfully, he slipped twice more, turned around, slipped again on the way back, slipped again one more time just to make sure that I had fully soiled my pants at that point. And then he made it. Oh, thank goodness. When he was by the puddles and by us and we're like, oh, oh okay. I, I, I thought I was going to be driving a distraught Kathy home and not even certain how it would have gone. <sighs> Poor Diablo. Rest in peace, Diablo. I'm so glad you died later of different causes than of falling off the cliff at the spire that night. We ended up getting skunked, too. We ended up getting skunked. Clouds all came in, completely blocked our view of the Milky Way core before it started dipping too much, and we were out of luck. So not only did we almost kill Kathy's dog, but we didn't get any Milky Way either. But Kathy loved it, and when she came back for her repeat visit, because she's one of those awesome workshop attendees who comes multiple times, and I take her to cool places, and we had a better experience this time with Gary and Paul, and it was awesome. We had a perfect night. <laughs> so... Another night that wasn't perfect, before I move on to number three, is that this is an area where you have the flows of water with monsoons that are surprisingly quick, surprisingly fast to fill up and, you know, flow through the wash at such, you know, volumes that you weren't expecting yet. When we got to a point 
when we were about to turn off the dirt road, we looked at the clouds and the rain out there in the distance. And, you know, if I was going to a slot canyon, I would never go to the slot canyon. Any rain clouds, any rain on the horizon, not smart, not wise, don't go in the slot canyon. Well, we were still going to be up in a high spot. I wasn't really concerned about rain. I just thought maybe that rain might come on top of us. I thought maybe that rain might block out our Milky Way. And that was my biggest concern. We decided to go for it because the rain looks like it's traveling from the north to the northeast. That's totally away from where we were going to be facing, and it was already far enough away. So we traveled all the way in. We passed all the dirt roads. We passed a couple spots that, you know, I'm like, oh, you know what? That's a wash we're driving through. Ah, thank goodness the rain's not here. Oh, that's another wash that we're driving through. This is, yeah, a good thing that we're not in the middle of any rain. Yeah, no worries. Totally dry, totally easy. Let's just bump, 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 bump to a couple, through a couple washes. Nothing. We make it out to our spire. We make it over the rocks easy because this guy, you know, um, this was when I went out with, I was with John and Rob. And we were out there, us three, in Rob's rental vehicle, a Forerunner. And in that Forerunner, it had more clearance than my Ford Explorer. And so we benefited from that and just kind of cruised over every obstacle without even thinking. We didn't even get out of the vehicle, you know, and look at the rocks and go, hmm, can we pass that? Go more right and, and hold that part. No, we didn't have to do any of that. We're just like, boom, 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 And we were there. Easy. So that Spire... Hmm, looked cool. The light was on it for a little bit. Another reason why it doesn't work for sunset is because as the light went into shade way before sunset, it was just golden hour light turned to nothing, turned to shade. There was no reason to capture anything, so we kind of looked at our clouds again. I did a little time lapse to see where the clouds were moving, and they just seemed like they shifted to come towards us more. And I'm like, you know what? We're going to have to go. We're going to go now. We're not going to try this. Let's go now just in case that rain hits us. Little did I know that just, you know, partial mile, maybe a couple miles in on our little drive, I think it's like a seven-mile drive from a paved road or something. Yikes. Oh, man, that rain not only came through there, but the entire rainfall from earlier seemed to be washing through there. That dry washed a few minutes ago. We're talking like less than an hour, maybe an hour before. It was completely soaked and drenched, full flowing river. And we're like, we know how deep that was. It's not that deep. Let's just go for it. Okay, no problem. We made through it. Sweet. Then we got to the big one. The big one where it had quite the drop off into it, quite a gap where it was at least, I think, a 15 yard, maybe 10 yard wide, you know, wash of water. We're thinking that's flowing really quick. Let's just gun it, you know. Uh, Rob is like, I'm gunning it. I'm going for it. He guns it to the part where it's a steep entrance. Like we come in from the other side really steep and drop down in the wash. But this way we're going to kind of hit a wall and go up the wall. So we hit and gun it and we slam into that little part where it's steep now. It's like bam, bam, wall, bounce, bounce, bounce through. All tires connected. All tires got grip and we made it through the wash part. We didn't get sucked into anything or get stuck into some mud. <laughs> as much as we bounced, as much as it felt like we hit a speed bump at 35 miles per hour, it felt great to know that we were still on dry terrain and got through that wash. It's like, okay, that was the biggest concern ahead of us as long as there's not some new wash that I didn't even notice on the way in. Oh, at that moment, Rob's like, yeah, good idea, Aaron, to leave when we did. Yeah, because this rain was just coming and bringing more water and who knows how much more 
flow of volume of water it was gonna be to tear up that road and just so glad we got out of it so the big challenge of the spire area is getting there and making sure you go at a specific time for milky way i don't necessarily recommend it for sunrise or sunset but there's obvious ways to get landscape photography out of this with some really neat hyper foreground subjects like a crack a lichen a flower something that also includes the spire there's definitely something there to gain but just going to have to try it out, and I prefer it for Milky Way. Before I get into number three, the Arches Loop Trail, let's have a short break, and we'll come back talking about the Arches Loop Trail, number three on my list, and we'll be right back with the Photog Adventure Podcast. I wanted to give you, the podcast crowd, the same discount that I've given my email list and the same discount I gave those who follow me on YouTube is that there's a $1,000 deal going on right now. So the link is in the description. You can come join me for the, any of these workshops from Death from uh, Death Valley to the annual eclipse to Oregon coast to Southern Utah to a Southern Utah one for seven nights, all for only a thousand dollars each. And so take advantage of that deal. It's going to be up for another week while I'm out there in North Carolina for a workshop. So hope you'll come out with me on a workshop in 2023 and to make it even more easy for you to do, you got this thousand dollar flat fee sale. So come and join me out there. Have an adventure in 2023. All right. Number three. Arches Loop Trail. This is nearby Bryce Canyon. And whenever I go to the Escalante workshop, we end our workshop just north of Bryce Canyon at a place outside of the park called Fairyland Point. And during that night, we have such a long wait until the Milky Way is in position that we go out and do sunset stuff. We go out for an early dinner and do a sunset hike at Arches Loop Trail. It's a one-mile loop. It's definitely an uphill battle at the beginning, but it's not a very long hike. It's a fast hike. You will be gasping for air going up it, but it's over quickly. And you're at the spot where it's easy to enjoy and benefit. And you want to keep going right to the top to where Brendan and Jameson found this cool horseshoe shape in the rock with a lone tree on the right side. And that is a gorgeous spot with some yellow rock, all breaking apart shale kind of rock where it's just crispy looking, sharp edges. And when the sun is at the right angle, it lights up the horseshoe shape that's the back edge of this whole composition. And with that back edge, the reflected bounce light goes back up and warms up the side of the rock that has the tree, the lone tree on it, and then the sun sets off to the distance to the far right, and it's out of your perspective. It's kind of in your periphery or not at all and just kind of flowing in from the right side of the frame. So it's great for sunset there, and you want to be there early enough to get that light bouncing off that rock wall where it really lights up the cool shot. Now, this is going to be cool if we ever had like the perfect sky that was getting color and then everything came together, but so far it's most been some really pretty red clouds and pink skies in certain areas but not lined up where the light is hitting this horseshoe plus any real color because it's the wrong time it's golden light that hits this golden hour light that hits this horseshoe shape in the rock at the top of this cliff and so you're sitting there wanting that light but it's too early for the color of the sunset so if you wanted to do an exposure blend from different times like different times at that spot you can do an alaya locardi kind of capture the tree capture the light of this part and then keep this left section here at that later time and keep the sky from the later time and blend them all together into a ex multiple exposure shot that came together in one artistic piece you can do that, but typically it's just going to be a blue sky 
with the contrast of this rock, this white yellow rock, and that one lone tree silhouetted right there. Quite fantastic. But the best part is as you're going through the Arches Loop Trail, you hit all these little red rocks and small little areas that you can get some detail. You can also get like seven holes in a rock in one frame with the afterglow. And when the afterglow happens, because I always move people down once the sunset has happened, and we start hiking a little bit so we can be in position for an S-curve winding trail that has an afterglow potential in the sky where it's just now the whole sky has that glow of reddish salmon color to it that reflects down back on the rock and the terrain and all the rock and terrain around there from sand to arches are red very red bright red dark red they're just red everywhere and so it turns out really well and Franz and Eric both on different workshops in different years have commented like wow if you would have advertised this on your workshop page, I would have been even more excited to come on a workshop I was already excited to come. Like, this could sell the workshop, this right here alone. I'm like, wow, really? This is just like an afterthought trip that I, I really loved it, so I thought we had some time and we're in the Bryce Canyon area. Why don't we go see it? And let's go look at it. And I thought they'd enjoy it, but that was it. Instead, they loved it loved it. Okay, so if you're out in the Bryce Canyon area and you don't know where this is, give me a text. I will hook you up. Just Google it, Arches Loop Trail. In fact, that's another thing I'll include. I'm going to look on Google Maps and make sure what it's called. Arches Loop. It's just Arches Trailhead, not with the loop. It doesn't say loop. So now I have the Arches Trailhead, and I will get this in the link so that you can go there and join me in enjoying this area. That's number three. The biggest challenge is that you must have light bouncing off the back wall in order for it to work, and you want that afterglow. It is a one-mile loop, and so you're going to hike a lot, but it's uphill very fast, and then you just go downhill the rest of the way. It's not easy, but it's definitely not hard, and I would say that you'll just get tired, and it's easy, 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 realistically. So, number two. So this can end actually before 50 minutes, which is going to be impossible, isn't it? I don't know how to make a short podcast, do I? Factory Butte is number two. And it's not even really for Factory Butte. This is an area that I'm just going to tell you. Not often visited, but it's getting so much more visited now. It was featured by Brad Goldpaint in his 2018 Astronomy Photographer of the Year image. And it's there called Mars Overlook, Moon Overlook. It's called either one, and it is not a secret anymore by any means. And so I'm not going to pretend like those of you listening to this podcast right now are the problem and that I'm telling you how to get there. And you're going to go there and put some Instagrammers on the edge of this cliff every 14 minutes. And so, no, I'm not worried about that. You are responsible photographers. Tell it to people who you believe are responsible photographers. Leave no trace. Make it, leave it better than you found it. You know, all of the good stuff of keeping this area amazing. It's right off of Factory Butte. And I love the Factory Butte. It's really cool. The terrain there has gotten worse with the washes the last two monsoon seasons. They have really blown up some of the trails, some of the pathways that used to be drive 60 miles an hour and go in straight there and then go like 35 on this one kind of bumpy road out to the overlook. Nope. Now it's kind of bouncy. Now it's kind of bad. Now you want some clearance on a couple spots or just go slow enough. A car could get through there if you really wanted to, but it just wouldn't be fun. So you want a little bit of clearance, you know, just have something. Well, while I'm out there waiting for clouds to move, I get a text from my dad around midnight and he's like, hey, uh, are you doing okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm doing fine. How are you? He's like, oh, I'm okay. I just, 
you know, I'm using the Apple Find My Device, and since you let me, you know, track your phone always, which I let my parents track my phone because I go on workshops or anywhere, and if I don't have someone with me now with Brendan, it's like I need someone to know where I'm, my body is, at least know where to go find my body. So my dad was kind of wondering, huh, you know, the divorce and everything is kind of lonely, and, you know, I see him out there at midnight on a cliff. Hmm. You know, he kind of forgot how much of a photographer I am and how this is my job. And he kind of focused a little more concern on the fact that I was out there at midnight and I was been there for a while and he wondered if I was okay. And I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 I'm okay. I'm totally fine. I'm not suicidal, Dad. I am just enjoying the view over this canyon waiting for the moon or waiting for the clouds to get out of my way of my Milky Way. And I'm just using my iPad right now and watching an episode of Upload. So I'm surprised I have signal here, but I'm glad I did so I can confirm that I am a-okay. So I told my dad that I was fine and kind of laughed about that, that he was worried. So now whenever I go to cliff edges, I kind of feel like I need to text my dad and be like, hey, you know what? I am over at a cliff right now, but I'm here on my own accord and I will be leaving here in one piece. So no worries. I haven't come to the end of my rope yet. And so no problem. Life is good. Sucks in some ways, but good. Isn't that truth, everybody? Life can suck and be good at the same time. So we just got to celebrate what's good and be grateful for what we have, right? All right, so here I was being grateful for what I had. I had an awesome cliff edge, and um, the clouds, man, the clouds. When they finally cleared, my Milky Way was so high up in the sky, the panel still worked, but it wasn't as strong of a balance in the negative and positive space in the sky as it was in my Canyonland shot. Canyonland shot much earlier in the night, and it just turned out better. And with that much time where the Milky Way panel gets... Basically, the top of the arch to the horizon is a bigger gap later as the night goes. And so earlier in the night, that top of the arch gap to the horizon is lower and has a nice balance in space. But as it starts stretching and goes higher, you get this really imbalanced extra negative space on the inside of the arch of the Milky Way. And that's what I, that's what I ended up with in this shot, and it wasn't terrific. But what I haven't, what I haven't mentioned is that this place is probably, yeah, yeah, guaranteed, my favorite sunrise in Utah. My absolute favorite sunrise. Sunsets and sunrises can be tough in a lot of these locations in Utah because we are in valleys where the mountains on the edges of us, they cut off the sunset and the sunrise. Like, you get the color happening behind a mountain, that color isn't being cast on your subject. Or the light of the golden hour light isn't quite up for another hour, and then the light changes and the color changes, and it's not quite perfect. So, so often, you end up with subjects in Utah that just don't have that great at sunrise, dawn. It's glorious. You know, you end up missing out on some of the best light because of our terrain. So then you're looking at dealing with a sunrise, or sunset. Some places like Dead Horse Point, terrible sunset, great sunrise. Out here, terrible sunset at, at the Overlook by Factory Butte, terrible sunset. Unless you get as the brilliant color of sky hitting clouds or rainfall or, you know, like David Thompson's beautiful rainbow over Factory Butte, that kind of stuff makes it amazing at sunset on Factory Butte Rock itself. But over here at the Overlook, it's terrible at sunset, all in shadow, but at sunrise, oh, my gosh. 
It's glorious. It is glorious. The light just kisses the terrain and all of the petrified waves of sand dunes. It's a bit of a challenge. I mean, you've got the dynamic range of dealing with looking directly over at the sunrise, which is not always great. So you try and fix your sky accordingly. Expose for your highlights, do a bracketing, whatever you need to do. But you just got this cliff edge wall of yellow rock that is just glowing and it has texture and it's such a cool hyper foreground subject. I've been capturing iPhone shots of my workshop attendees in this area when we go because we got skunked during the night. So we're waking up early for the sunrise and I absolutely love this spot for sunrises. Oh man. It's terrific. I won't go on any further except to say that there's no hiking at this area. You're right on a cliff edge. So the terrain is scary because you're on a cliff edge. And you got to stand in it right. You'll see one of my Instagram reels where I run out to the edge where you can climb up on this point. And yeah, it's quite scary. If you go out on it and you have any fear of heights and you look down at your feet, you're like, oh, yeah. Um, let's see. Other than the pathway I took to get out here, I have, what, 340 degrees of death and 20 degrees of, if I go that direction, I'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, it's a little freaky if you have a fear of heights. Oh, I love it. All right, before I end this episode with the final location of my top five, I wanted to share one last time my $1,000 flat fee sale. Just real quick, remind you that if you want to join me for a workshop in 2023, I'm doing this sale for the podcast crowd. So instead of the $1,800 price or the $2,000 seven-night workshop price, you can get any of these workshops at a flat fee for only $1,000. So check out the link in the below in the description and join me for that deal. I hope that you'll get out and have an adventure with me in 2023. Let's end this podcast with number one. Number one, my favorite of these less traveled locations here in Utah is a made-up name, Hoodoo Village. Hoodoo Village, you've heard me mention it. It is brilliant for sunset, brilliant for Milky Way. You get this chimney rock, it's a pancake rock, which means it's like levels and layers and layers of pancakes stacked on each other, carved out into a chimney shape. So imagine a hundred pancakes or crepes, more thin like crepes is better, 100 crepes stacked on each other. And then you start Devil's Tower, Richard Dreyfus carving out the shape of a chimney rock that is basically like a beanie, someone's beanie that has a propeller on top of it. And so you got this very, very fat base that narrows down to a very narrow pointy chimney and then cuts off. And that chimney part can sit directly under the North Star and then do a full concentric circles of a time lapse around it. And when I was there for the first time with Brendan, we were enjoying it and taking it in and stayed the night. And I had my goal zero plugged into my camera so I can run it as long as possible. But then I decided I'm just gonna do three and a half hours. I'll just do three and a half hours, capture a time lapse and see if I can make a star trail out of it. So so in this three and a half hour period, I had fully dark skies as well as I had a moon having risen into it. I don't recall how illuminated, how illuminated that moon was. It may have been, you know, we're talking a waxing crescent, but it was a moon in the sky. And more moon, the better. And this 2016 time lapse was my lesson in Ah, time lapses are better with the moon. Or I'm sorry, star trails are better with the moon. They have no moon. You have too much Milky Way detail, too many stars, and it gets more muddy and difficult to have a nice star trail. And when you have a moon, you get a blue sky 
and you get less stars, and you can have fun with the Comet Trail version and star stacks and really make it look terrific. So as I'm looking at my three and a half hours of frames, I picked a hundred and something frames that kind of transitioned in from dark to day so that it's like, okay, I got kind of the best of both worlds. It gets a little bit lighter as it all takes the median filter and stacks, 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 and then also keeps the stars, star, 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 realigns, realigns. Actually, it doesn't realign because that's the point is that it moves. It needs to move for the trail. So I created like 125 images or so, and it became my favorite image of 2016, even though it wasn't even a Milky Way shot. I just loved how it came out. The nice orange of the rock that I low-level lit for one frame, and then the rest of the frames were all black foreground with the star trails going around it. So I had one frame of a foreground to put in, and then I put in the Star Trail stack, and it became this blue on orange with concentric rings of white to be a fantastic Star Trail. Loved it. This Hoodoo Village spot is cool, though. The biggest challenge you have for Milky Way is you got the hurricane light pollution out there in that city of Hurricane. And as it is off to the right southwest area from this point of view, Usually it doesn't affect your shot because the Milky Way is off to the left of it enough and it's not bright enough to really engulf the Milky Way core and block any detail so you can get a really good shot. As you can see, you've probably seen it many times in my marketing and just using that image over and over again on Milky Way Wednesday. So then it's not bad light pollution. It works, except when there's any thin layer of atmosphere. You've got fog. You've got smoke. You've got even clouds over there. Any amount of clouds will cause that light pollution to be painted further and wider and broader in the sky. And now it's covering your Milky Way. Now it's blocking all your detail. Now it's ruining everything. And if that Milky Way, if that light pollution wasn't there, you could have captured through that smoke. But because that light pollution is there, you can't capture through the smoke. And so it's like, oh man, it needs to be a clear night. It needs to be a clear sky for that to work. And that's the biggest challenge of that area at Hoodoo Village. But it's a gorgeous rock. The terrain, if you explore it, it's just like a football field size of just a bunch of like six to 10 little Hoodoo and pancake rocks, three or four really big ones like the main one. And it's just this sloping wafer rock. Yeah, it's a terrific spot. Very, very easy to enjoy and quickly get back to your vehicle and then go home and sleep in a hotel room. And it makes it the top, number one of my favorite five locations in Utah that are less traveled. It's just good. It's just It has both, has a strong Milky Way, and any time of the year you can make the most of it as you go and get a different position for the Milky Way, wait for it. It doesn't work for panorama but you can get the Milky Way in frame later in the night as well as do a star trail. So that makes it so versatile, so strong. So quick summary, if you have been hanging out with me this whole hour and you're ready to hear me say the summary of all of these locations. Number one, Hoodoo Village, right north of Zion Can Zion National Park, just outside of it on the way towards Kolob Canyon, kind of in that area, right? Number two, Factory Butte, that area with the butte plus the overlook. It is terrific for Milky Way and sunrise. Sunset, not so much, but the Factory Butte can work for a sunset. You just need some serious conditions. Number three, Arches Trail. That Arches Trail is right there in Red Canyon, Low Sea Canyon area, just northeast, northwest of Bryce Canyon. And it's a beautiful Red Canyon rock, one-mile hiking loop that is just fun. Fun with some yellow rock, horseshoe shapes, lone tree, really cool landscape. 
plus a red rock afterglow sunset, beautiful terrain-esque curving path. It's just a lot of fun with that. Then number four is the Spire. The Spire, north of Moab, south of Green River, out there in a beautiful place. If you can drive there, you can enjoy it. And it is a solitary, singular object focused on center-weighted Milky Way with it off to the left and having a vertical Milky Way. Don't go there for anything else, really. Just enjoy the Milky Way there. And number five, Wedge Canyon and the Buckhorn Wash. Going up the Buckhorn Wash, the tourism of that is so much good. So many good things to see. Seeing the pictograph panel, seeing the dinosaur footprint, then going up and seeing Little Grand Canyon of Utah. It is awesome, the Wedge Overlook. It's really cool. Monsoon season weather comes through and it's very dynamic and very interesting. On top of that, you've got waterfalls that can form at a moment's notice with the rain. And you got to, I can't wait to see that again. All the times I've been out there, I've never seen that happen before. And it was so cool to see that and see how, with that much rain that came through, it only lasted for 30 minutes. And so, realistically, you got to be there when it rains or you never will see how the water flows out there. But that's a great Milky Way, and you can even do a panorama. you got the whole space to work with, but it's one of those challenges with the chasm, and it's just way better if you get a blue-hour shot of the chasm and then get your sky exposure later. All right, thanks for hanging out with me. I know I said I was going to recap a little bit of life and a little bit of the changes. Well, just... Let's just say, hey, thanks for listening to my podcast. So thanks so much. And to say thank you to all of you, remember the deal I was talking about in the ad during the middle of the podcast. I have those workshops. They are going to be available throughout this week to say thank you for coming back into the podcast. I gave it to my YouTube crowd. I gave it to my um, following on the email list. And so you deserve to have that deal as well for the 2023 workshops. Let's get out there and have an adventure together. I hope that you're doing more with your camera and I hope that you're getting out there as well because the year's almost up. And even if it is, we're going to do some Milky Way arching panorama shots during the winter this year. And I'm going to be encouraging a lot of you to get out there with an Astro modified camera. Oh, it's going to be so much fun. So hope you'll join me. I'll see you back next week. I'm Marion King with Photog Adventures and we'll have an adventure again very soon. And hopefully you'll join me out on an adventure in a workshop in 2023 and we can meet each other in person. And if not, see you back here. Listen to my voice next week on another podcast. Hey, get out there and have an adventure of your own. See ya.